Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. All right, let's see here. Let's go to Hebrews. We're talking about angels trying to. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to read you a prophecy. I don't think I read this uh, Sunday morning. It's a prophecy from Brother Kenneth E. Hagan that actually Pastor Nancy said in one of her newsletters. is a 1988 prophecy. And it meant so much to me. So I, I took it out of her newsletter and I keep it with me in my Bible. And as you can tell, I really am a doctor. Look at that. Can you read that? You can't read it. <laughs> my secretary, I think, is the only one can read my writing. But he had a visitation. Three angels came to talk to him about different things. One was in the political realm. And one was, uh, one was, he said, in the spiritual realm, in the realm in which you minister. And he said, but in the church, people just go on with their own plans or systems and with their own program. Some people just do the same thing over and over again. It's never going to accomplish anything, but they won't, you're not going to budge them out of there. You know what a rut is? That's a grave with the ends kicked out. You just stay in a grave the rest of your life. You have to be willing to change. <laughs> but anyway, the important thing in this for me, I wanted to read to you. He says here, there will arise an army. And he says that four times. And then he says, this is the beginning of the last days of those days, the beginning of the last days. We'll walk in the spirit, men and women equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost Men and women, I talked to you a little bit last night about ladies and ministrators. They're coming. They're, a lot of them are in the earth already. But this younger generation, if you'll listen to some of us older ones, you're going to take the church to a new place we've never known before. I'm going to be here for a lot of it, but, you know, I may not be here for all of it. But he says, they'll learn to walk in the spirit. They'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. The angels will come and minister unto them, and the angels will come and minister with them. That's what I wanted to read to you. Think about that. He's saying angels will come minister to us, but for some of us, like myself, they minister with me. But different angels do different. Some, some of the angels work with me do one thing, and that one thing only. Like the, the angel helps me with lung problems. He don't do feet. He don't do ears. He doesn't do teeth. He does lungs. And that's all he does. He's got a laser that shoots out of this finger right here. Yeah, he's got a hand and a finger and a face and everything. But that's all he does. Then I have two other angels that came as a result of a vision in 2008. They didn't tell me when they first came because it's a different, I'll talk about that maybe tomorrow night or I don't know. We'll just see how the Lord leads us. But uh, two of the eight angels that came to me in that visitation I think Pastor Nancy was in that meeting with Dr. Dufresne. He ministered to all the preachers, but I didn't just fall down. I went somewhere. And I don't know how long I was down there. My wife said 20 to 30 minutes. That's, I've never, ever done that. I don't get up here to sleep and take a nap. I mean, if God knocks me down, that's wonderful. I receive it and I shiver a little and roll around, but then I get back up and go back to my seat. But I didn't that night. And anyway, two of those eight angels came later to my house to me personally when I was alone and said, uh, we've come to talk to you about what we do. I said, well, talk on, tell me. 
And they said, we wanted to you know that we're angels that help restore and repair people's bodies. And they didn't put any lemon on it, so I don't put any lemon on it either. And I've had a lot more healing since 2008. That was six weeks after the original vision. And then they just vanished. You know, they came to tell me what they were going to do in my life, and then they just disappeared. Are you listening? Yeah. And so a lot of people have been healed of a lot of things. I wanted to tell of something here. I'm going to read in Hebrews in a minute. But I don't know. I think I've shared some of this stuff here already. But uh, there, there was a meeting I was in in Virginia. I, I don't know how long ago that was, maybe 12 years ago. And I was just one of several speakers. And when I got there, I got there on the day where they was having a luncheon and the guy up speaking, I think it spoke the night before, but he was doing a luncheon thing. We were having dinner or lunch. He got back to the minister table after he quit speaking and he said, hi, I'm Jerry McGee. And I said, well, I'm Dr. Jacobs. He said, I got a spine problem. And I thought, well, that's an odd thing to say for first to meet me. I don't know if somebody told him that I ministered to people in their backs, but anyway, I said, well, Jerry, I'm preaching tonight. You're going to be there? He said, yeah. I said, I'll minister to you. There won't be a word of knowledge, so I'm not going to pretend it is. You're going to get in trouble trying to pretend something. So he's out there sitting, and I, he's got a Bible. He's not got it on his lap. He looks very angry. So I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm plowing his field sideways. I don't know what's his deal. He wasn't like that at lunch. And the further I preached, the more meaner it looked. So anyway, when I, and I'll just like tonight, I'll preach a little bit and then I'll stop and start ministering. And I said, Jerry, uh, step out here in the aisle. I went back to him, laid hands on him. I said, only for your back. I stepped back like that and the angel came around this side of me. He stuck his finger down here in his body and the lower abdomen, he started rolling something. I said, Jerry, that angel's rolling something. He turned and ran out of the meeting. And I figured I've really ticked this guy off now. <laughs> And we were in a Marriott hotel in a, in a small room seated about, I think maybe we had a hundred people in that room. And I thought, well, I don't know if he's going to bed, going upstairs to lay down or he's mad he's going home. And I just went on ministering. You got to learn to not let people disturb you. <laughs> you know, if I'd let that affect me, I would have ministered to anybody else, but I don't do that. And I'm not taking you home with me either. I love you. I'll do my best to help you get healed, delivered but I'm not going to take you home and worry about it. When I pray for you, I just let it go. That's it. Turn loose of the care and move on. So anyway, you know, I went on minister several people finally comes in the back. He's like, it's a big smile. I said, Jerry, what happened to you? He said, you didn't know this, Dr. Jacob. Probably you thought I was pretty mad at you. I said, actually, I did have that thought that you were disturbed about what I was preaching. He said, what happened? You didn't know this. I had a kidney stone. I haven't been able to go to the restroom for three days. I've been in extreme pain. I mean, extreme pain. Somebody told me one time that if you have those as a man, it's like having a baby or something. They said it's very, very excruciating. That was why I looked like I looked, but said, when you said that angel's moving something, I went outside the right to the left was the men's room and that stone came out of me and I have no pain. Maybe you thought they had to explode those uh, things with a laser or something, but that angel took care of it. Did you see? I sure did. I saw him stick his finger down there and start rolling something. I didn't know that something was a kidney stone. It just looked like a little rock. Anyway, praise God. Yeah. I think I, I don't know if I told this here before. I'm going to tell it again. If I did just act like this is thrilling. <laughs> 
I had a word that uh, I went to preach in Manzanillo, Mexico. I've been there many times in my life. Pastor Maria Rancun is the pastor there, lady pastor. And I had a word about heart problems. And I said, if you have heart issues, get up here. There was about eight people came. First one was a man. And I laid hands on his head. But when I laid hands on his head, again, an angel came around my right side. He stuck his arm in his chest about this far. And he started what looked like for me, to my eyes, like he's working a safe thing, like on a safe, you spin it, click, click, that I knew he was repairing something. And it's interesting too, when I took my hand off, he pulled his arm out. Now, see, I learned something there that I didn't know until that moment. I've seen it many times since that I have to move first and then the angels normally move in cooperation with me. The next one was a lady, same thing. And all the way down that line, when I laid hands on those people's heads and prayed for their hearts to be healed, that angel stuck his hand in their chest and started. Now, I don't know if anybody else saw it. I saw it at the second lady there. I prayed, second one in line was a lady. And she ran to me after the meeting. Did you see that angel put his hand in my chest? And I acted real nonchalant. I said, did you see an angel put his hand in your chest? <laughs> yes, I did. I said, yeah, I saw it. What, what did it do for you? All my symptoms left when he took his hand out. I said, well, then he fixed you. Amen. He wasn't opening the safe. He was correcting the heart issues. Yeah, I'm just talking to you here. Praise the Lord. But I thought that was interesting how God uses the angels with us. I had a couple in my church. I'm going to get to the Bible eventually, I think. I feel like Dr. Dufresne right now. Anyway. Uh, I had a couple in my church, they were in their 40s. They didn't marry young. I don't know how old they were, maybe 45, and they'd been trying to be pregnant. They came to see me in my office about it, and she talked, and he, he agreed. He said, we've both been to doctors, and she's messed up, mom messed up uh, genetically. We're not, they tell, doctors told us, a male doctor, female doctor, you're never going to have a child. You're not able to do that. But they said, we want our own baby. I said, you thought about adoption? Yeah, but that's not the issue. We want our own child. I said, all right, I'll lay hands on you and we'll believe. So I laid hands on their heads, both of them, and released my faith that God would do a creative miracle and repair, restore, give them new parts. Had a lot of people get new parts, not just down there, but their heart, other things. Even teeth grew out one time for me. I have an anointing for teeth and, and jaw bones and things like that. That Dr. Dufresne is in my prophecies. Anyway, so... They tried for a few more months. Nothing's happening. One Sunday, the, the lady of the two, her name was Patty. She got in the prayer line. I think it was a word about depression. I don't remember. But this is what happened. She was right here. And we got an aisle kind of like this in our church in the middle aisle and the other side aisle. And I just touched her in her forehead. And half a second later, I never saw her feet move. She was transported back here about 15 feet. The whole congregation saw it. How, it went shoom, shoom. And the wind hit her from the front. And in about half a second, she's standing. She was like this up there. And all of a sudden, she's standing way back here. I mean, God's doing something. It's like she was on a rubber band. Shoop. I never saw her feet move. I didn't see her stumble. I didn't see her do this. It was just foom, foom. But when she's standing there and raising her hands, this angel came up on this side of her. He put her, his hand inside of her, and I said, Patty, that angel's fixing you. He's fixing you down there. <laughs> and next month, she got pregnant. Yeah. 
And their boy today is about 20. I, they don't even go to my church anymore, but he'd have to be 20, maybe even older. See, sometimes you don't see that every day, but it does happen. Well, you say, well, I don't see that. Well, do you believe for it? Or if something happened with me that God did something very unusual tonight, would you be in agreement or would you say, well, I don't believe that? I'm just talking to you. All right, I better get on with my assignment. We got all kinds of things we could say, but that's good enough to get us started. Let's, uh, let's look at Hebrews for just a minute. I probably not spend, we spent almost an hour here this morning in the Bible school on that one verse, Hebrews 1.14. So let me read it again. It's talking about angels, Hebrews 1, 14. Are they not all ministering spirits? That, I like to say this, they all have ministries. There's no, uh, just like in the body of Christ, there's no unused parts unless you choose just to, you're going to be lazy and you're not going to do your part, then the church is going to suffer. You know, I'm talking to everybody here. Whatever your role is, we got camera people. We got sound people. I've got maybe somebody watching the kids tonight, maybe in parking lot people, whatever. I'm just talking, everybody doing their part. Well, with the angels, they're all ministering spirits. I think that's why there was frustration in the angel. I'll talk about that in a minute. My vision of 83. But it says here, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? You get the feeling they want to help us? <laughs> And, and I would say it this way, every angel has a job description and I'm not techie, but I know that some, you have to have computer systems that make your computer work. I guess it's, you put in and then it's able to do certain activities. Is that correct? Kind of, I'm kind of technically challenged. I don't use a computer, but I'm saying that angels, and by the way, angels are not like us. They're not that it's emotional. I never had an angel talk to, back to me in 40 years, never. They said, well, I don't want to do that. They just did what I asked them or I sent them to do. <laughs> yeah. And they assume that whatever I say is my will for my life. And really I'm in control and you are too, if the truth be unknown. If you're waiting on God to get it going, you, you're way behind, baby. He, ain't gonna, he already did his part. He already charged different angels with different programs. And when you say to them what's in the program, if it's in there, it'll cause that angel to respond. I wouldn't call angels robots, but I would say they're spiritual machines created by God to assist us in this earth. It's just amazing. Well, I'm trying to preach this. I'm not going very good. Hang on. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? I like to read it this way because that's, that scripture is about 2,000 years old. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister or the real word there for minister is to render service for them that are the heirs of salvation? Because if he took care to send these angels before we got saved to help us maybe get saved, he did in my life. Uh, uh, then how much more would he help me now that I'm his son? Yes. Are you listening? And, and I'm not just his son. I'm a joint heir with the son, Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to say that until I go to heaven. Some of you are going to lock into it eventually. You're not a sub anything. Get that out of your head. I say it this way. You don't want what you deserved. If you're thinking that way, you need to get that out of your head because you don't want what you deserve. I don't either. I want what's being offered. And what's being offered is joint sonship with Jesus. Now, if that can't get the job done, honey, you're just failed. You've just totally, you know, you're going to have to realize. And I remember Dad Dufresne before he went home. The last meeting I was in with him, I think you were there, Pastor Nancy, at uh, Pastor Luffman's down in Kentucky or Tennessee. What's that base called? Fort Campbell. And he called me up and he said, just remember, Michael, I want you supposed to teach about who our, what our authority is in Christ the rest of your life. And that's what I'm talking to you about right now. You've got to get it in your mind. You're a joint heir with Jesus. Yeah, but I just don't. It has nothing to do with how you feel. You won't receive it if you're waiting for your feelings to get all elated about it. <laughs> you're not going to earn it. You're not that good. Neither am I. Learn what I'm saying. It'll help you a lot of worry and frustration and mental problems. You're either a joint heir with Jesus or you're a heathen. You're a sinner. <laughs> but I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace, so I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Does that mean I never make a mistake? I didn't say that. But if I do, I run back quick and say, get under the blood. And I say, Father, I shouldn't have whatever and forgive me. And do my best to stay in right standing with him. I'm all over this tonight. Oh, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation? Praise God. Now we mentioned this, I think, at the Bible school this morning. I don't think we talked about this yesterday. If I did, just act like this exciting. <laughs> this word ministering here in Hebrews 1.14 in Webster's, and I'm talking about the old Webster, Noel Webster dictionary. I have one, it's about this thick, it weighs 20 pounds, you can't hardly carry it. And he puts in his uh, dictionary, when he gives you a definition for a word, he puts scriptures underneath. And that's where I found this, to give aid or service to the sick. See, I'm talking to you about angels working with me in the healing ministry. I'm talking about that some, but I'm talking about our authority too. But it says, to give aid or service to the sick. And the Greek word there for ministry, which is what the New Testament was written in, it says to function publicly as a benefit to people. Are you listening? I think it was this morning. I don't think it was yesterday when I told you about the little boy in Costa Rica. Did I tell you that at Sunday service? I don't think I did. The little boy, about 10 years old, I went to Costa Rica one time. The man that asked me, this is his grandson. He's standing over here out of the way and I'm preaching in a morning service. And, and this is the way he breathes. You sound like a machine over there. I'm not making fun of him. So I was preaching on angels. You ever preach anything else? Yeah, but we don't even have this yet. And I've been preaching it since 1980. I've read 100 books and shredded 97 of them. But I'll show you what I think about the books that come out about something that people write that don't know anything about what they're talking about. Yeah. Right. I love to shred stuff that's unbelievable. 
When I come to my library, some of the books are going, oh my gosh, I hope we don't find that, that page. <laughs> We're in the shredder. <laughs> okay. I want you to stay scared of me. <laughs> anyway, I was preaching and I, I gave invitation. If you have lung problems, get up here. There was a very elderly, well, kind. I'm 72. That's not too far from where I'm going to be in a few years. She was 80. Said I've had uh, lung problems my whole life. I said, well, God's going to fix it. And I started to pray for her. Now, I'd been praying for people with lung problems only about a year. I got up early one day. God said, get up and go pray. Uh, I wasn't sleeping in. It was four in the morning. He had to get up, go in the living room, pray in tongues. I just obeyed him. I didn't have any idea what he needed me to do. Was I going to pray for somebody, uh, you know, or sometimes, you know, you pray for people. One time I prayed for intercession for a Japanese guy sitting by a riverbank with a funny Japanese hat on fishing. But anyway, I, I prayed about 45 minutes in other tongues, and then I got quiet. See, this is something to learn, and, it, and most people are so fast anymore. You've got so much going on in your life because you let it be that way. I'm sorry, I'm just telling you the truth. And you're never focused enough to hear from heaven. If you're going to pray somewhere down through here, I'm being as polite as I can be, stop talking and just get quiet. Well, how long does that take? I don't know. How upset are you? I, I say people are, most of them are in the duck syndrome. They look really cool on the lake, you know, but they're paddling like crazy underneath. <laughs> duck syndrome people. They look so graceful, just like they're just flowing across the water, but somebody's paddling in them. Anyway, the Lord had told me in that, when I got up and prayed and got quiet, said, I'm giving you a different anointing to add to your equipment. It has to do with lungs. So I want you to pray for asthmatic people. I think I was in Pastor Hernandez Church. Most of you know, I know Pastor knows who he is. And he's a, he's a good son to me too. He's in, uh, where is he at? Olathe, Kansas. And I prayed for a little boy there a while. And the gentleman came to me in one of the meetings out here and said, you remember me? I said, no, I don't. I travel all the time. I'm sorry, I don't remember you. Should I know you? He said, well, I brought my son to you. He had asthma, severe asthma as a kid. And said, after you prayed for him, we took him back. We had to go to the hospital every month. He got so critical, he couldn't breathe. We had to take him to the emergency room. They would give him a treatment or a shot or something. You prayed for him. He never had another episode. We took him back to the heart doc. I mean, the lung doctor. He said, I, he's, he's perfectly normal. I don't know what you did to him, but has no asthma at all now. Let me get back to Costa Rica. Was that where I left you? I'll pick you up. Here I come. <laughs> And so I prayed for the lady and this angel showed up, the one with the laser in his right hand, this finger shoots out like a white light and he erases things in people's lungs. How does he do it? I don't know. I don't even know how the blood works in my own body. I don't have to know all that. I just believe it. <laughs> I believe what the Lord showed me. So I, the first time I'd ever saw him in my meetings. And so I said, lady, this angel's working with me today. He's cleaning your lungs. She fell out, and then this little boy came, but breathing funny. He was a grandson of the man that asked me. I prayed for him. I said, that angel's fixing you, son. I didn't think about it so much. He fell out, and then he got up and went over and stood by his mother, and then the meeting was over. I didn't have anything else to minister. And when he got home, he was standing over to the side of the wherever they were eating. I wasn't there when it happened. Let's call him Jose. That's a good Latin American name. <laughs> 
How many Jose's are here tonight? Anybody a Jose? All right. And he was just standing there going. His mother said, what are you doing? Jose said, mama, I'm breathing. She came that night and she said to me, Dr. Jacobs, I can't thank you enough. When my son was born, he had a deformity in his chest, which put pressure on those lungs. And so since he's been born, he's had to breathe like that, like he's fighting. But everything's been resolved. Hallelujah. And, and I did my part, but the angel did his part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just excited. See that little boy healed like that. What are we talking about tonight, angels? <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. All right. Now, let me say something else about verse 14, and I'm going to move on. Are they not all ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for those who shall be and who are now the heirs of salvation. I remembered what I was going to tell you about the vision of 83. I'd only been studying on angels for three years. I couldn't believe in this other church, a big church to me. And back then, it, it's probably just an average church, you know, number wise, but it was a big church to me back in those days. And I went over there to preach a three-day seminar on angels. And I, when I came in, I asked the pastor, you got a place I could just go pray? I just feel led to be alone a minute with God. I'd already prayed for the meeting that day and, you know, was ready to go. But I just felt the need to do that. He said, yeah, we have a radio room in this other building. Go in, go down the steps. It's the first door on, on the right and go in there. It's soundproof. You can scream and holler. Nobody's going to hear you. When you get done, come on into the meeting. We'll get you up as fast as we can. I went down in that little closet, <clears throat> had all kinds of radio equipment, a chair to desk. That was all that was in that room, very small room. And I'm, I knelt down by that chair and I began to praise God and talk to him. I said, Father, I'm asking you to use me tonight. Help me to convey what you once said. And all of a sudden I came out of my body. Now, that's a shocking thing if you've never had that experience. I came out of my body and I was floating this way. I looked back, two angels, one had this arm up, one had the other up because the body without the spirit is D-E-A-D, dead. So the angels kept my functioning of my body in place while I'm gone. But I went somewhere else in a big room like this or maybe about twice as big as this sanctuary. And it was filled with angels. Were you surprised? I was taken back. I'm telling you, I never seen a sight like that ever in my life. Not that many. And they're all different. They're different sizes. There's different levels of anointing in their ranks as well as our ranks. You know, some pastors are stronger than other pastors. Some evangelists have better fruit than others. And prophet things, same thing, all the time. And so I'm just saying that because, you know, one time there was an angel came and just lit up the prison cell with Peter. But there is an angel in, Hebrew, in the book of Revelation who's going to light up the whole earth. And it's not Jesus. So I'd say that's a quite a different range when an angel could light up the whole planet and an angel light up a little room. See, they have different degrees of power and anointings, just like humans do, but they're not emotional like us and they don't pout and they're not offended and they never talk back to me. Never. I've had a lot of Christians talk back to me and tell me they didn't like me and they were leaving. Oh, bye bye. I'm sorry. I got clean hands, but yeah, I'm just talking to you here. I think I'm talking to you. <laughs> I feel like I'm coming in and out of something for a minute. I wanted to tell you about the vision of 83. So I, I get, and I'm in a new environment now. I don't know where I'm at. I just know I'm not in that little closet. 
And I'm still on my knees even when I come to myself, but I've been transported to a different dimension, let's say that. And the angel spoke to me just one, I'll pretend I'm him and I'm looking at him. I'm on my knees looking at him. He said, Michael, he knew my name. He's in the front row and he went, all of us are excited you're teaching about us. For we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ and they won't let us. He stepped back in line and I came back from that room into that little room, came in my mouth like he put on a sock, <laughs> came back in there and back in my arms and I was back conscious in that little room. Did you tell the people that night what you saw? Heavens, no. <laughs> I'm still trying to just figure out what I saw and how it would affect my life. But that, that 83 vision, this is what I'm trying to get to you about. The 83 vision so impacted me. I've never forgot it. And secondly, they always remind me of that vision when they see me. And a lot of times they'll say, we're still excited you're teaching about us. Don't ever forget it. And you say, why do you teach on this? Because we don't understand it well enough to use it. Or, you know, if I'm, I'm just imparting the little bit I know about it. I'm not an expert. I'm not the angel man. I'm just a man that knows something about angels. Maybe more than the average Joe. Dr. Dufresne told me that one time. Maybe I shouldn't say that publicly, but anyway. Yeah, I was in a meeting with him. I was not preaching. Pastor Nancy was there too in Nashville, Tennessee. And we came from a meeting one night and somebody got up and talked on angels and talked everything contrary to what I teach. And uh, he, he called me early in the morning. I'm not a six o'clock up person typically, but uh, I was that morning. He said, this is dad. Can you meet me down the foyer downstairs in five minutes? Yes, sir. I just put my pants on, put a hat on and went down. He said, I want to talk to you about angels and what you know. Don't forget this, Michael. What you know needs to be taught. Don't ever forget it. I know people will challenge you and some people that don't know what they're talking about, that thinks they know what they're talking about. You just keep teaching what you're teaching. And so that's what I'm doing. I never forgot that encounter with him either. That was just me and him. So... Four months later, after I came away from the vision of 83, this thought kept coming to me, and they won't let us. As I'm going somewhere with this thought with you. That just seemed to permeate my mind for four months. They won't let us. And then it finally dawned on me, and I said it out loud. I was by myself. I was meditating about the, the vision you know, sometimes if you take a little time to think about something that you think was dramatic, you probably only got one-tenth of what was needed. But if you think about it and give God more time to talk to you about it, there may be other d dimensions of it that will come to you. And I, this is what I said, oh, my gosh, I've got authority and the body, and the body has authority we don't know about. I mean, if I just walked in here someday and say, you got authority over all devils and all angels, you'd say, oh, get out of here but I'm going to preach it to you tonight. I'd like you to listen. And when I wrote my book on angels, God said, don't forget the chapter on authority because if you don't give them that, though everything else you said was accurate, they won't activate anything. You know that old doctrine about God is sovereign? <laughs> well, he is, but he's not sovereign unless you put his word in your mouth and speak it. Now, 
And this is, a, this is one of those revelations that you can't just be flippant. You're going to have to spend some time before God yourself to realize how vital and important you really are to God and how much authority you've been given. If you've been given the same authority as Jesus and the Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus, then that means I can do whatever Jesus did. I have the authority to do it. <laughs> and you do too. I don't have more authority than you just because I'm a prophet. I have more responsibility probably than all of you or some of you here in the room anyway. If you're just a good sheep, you got responsibility, but it's not the same as for me because I've got other things to do that I'm required to do by God's help, with his help, that, in, that involves other things than just being a preacher specifically. Anyway, so I want to talk to you tonight about authority. Is that okay? Go back to Psalm 8 with me. And dad always encouraged me to study this out. One time somebody said something in a meeting we were in and he was in there with me and he said, what'd you think about that? And I said, really? He said, yeah, tell me. I said, I didn't believe a word they said. He said, well, good. I didn't either. He said, I want you to go back and restudy that and get back with me. And I did. And it was out of the book of Revelation about angels assigned to churches, which I taught in the Bible school this morning. I'm going to teach that again right now. I'm going to talk about your authority over angels. What I'm talking to you tonight about is your authority, not my authority, your authority and my authority. All of us have authority over angels. I, I kind of think it was in Bible school when I said, use this illustration. If I see, if I was interviewing you at the back door when you were leaving, how many believe in angels? Oh, I believe in them, doctor. Okay. Well, when do you, when have you done anything that you know in your heart, you saw the fruit of what you said come to pass by a being not other than you? Right. Well, hmm. Well, <laughs> I don't know. And then I'd have to tell you, you, don't, you surely don't believe in much then. You don't have any fruit. Now, what if I didn't believe the angel would, kill, would heal that guy's lungs, whether I saw anything or not? I didn't ask to see this other angel. When God dealt with me in my home, I told you what he said. I'm giving you, Michael, an, an anointing in an area you've never ministered in very effectively before about lungs. And now I've got a lot of people healed of COPD and asthma. Not everybody. Everybody don't receive. That's on your side. I, my side's to minister. Your side's to have faith to take it. Wouldn't matter what, it wouldn't matter if I was Jesus Christ himself in person. You, if you couldn't receive from me, you couldn't receive from him. He ministered the same way I'm talking to you about. Okay. He didn't go razzmatazz. No, he just laid hands on people. You still with me? <clears throat> okay. We're talking about our authority. We'll see how we, I don't, I'm not going to preach all night, but I'm preaching a little bit. Okay. Look at uh, Psalm 8. Let's, let's start in verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? And when he says man, again, I'm telling you, ladies, always put yourself in that because you're a, of the race of man. There's male and female. We're both men, scripturally. Not male, but we're both of the race of man. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of your hand, thy hands. Thou hast put all things, how much? 
all things under his feet. So now let's go back and look at this. I'm going to give you some insight if you don't already have it. In verse 5, thou hast made them a little lower than the angels. You know, I look things up. I don't know about you. I look up things. I have reference books. I'm not as good in the Hebrew as I would be in the Greek, a little more so in the New Testament. But I looked this up and the word is Elohim for angels. It's Elohim. Elohim is the word used in Genesis 1:26, where God said, let us, Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, make man in our image after our likeness. And nothing to do with angels. There's a totally different word in the Old Testament for angels. Listen, I'm trying to help you here. Really in the Hebrew, after studying this out, and it took me a while to figure it out, in the Hebrew, 8.5 should read, he made man a shade lower than God. So that's where you're at in Christ. You're a shade lower than God. You can't become your daddy, but you can be just a shade lower to him because you're of the race of man. And you didn't do it, and I didn't do it. God did it for us. And he, he made him a little lower, made the man a little lower than Elohim. And then he crowns us with glory and honor. And he made us to have dominion, authority, same thing. Over all things he put under our feet. Now, Jesus isn't here anymore, but where's his body? And the feet is in the body, <clears throat> under our feet. He gave us dominion. We have authority. It's so far reaching. I think Dr. Summeron says only God sets the limit on this. And most people don't have a clue what God said about it. Dr. Summerall said that in the quote I have from him. It's such a staggering thought. And the, what I'm teaching you tonight, you're not going to learn on TV. I don't care who's in there preaching. You're going to have to think about this. Because your whole brain goes a different way. You think, well, who am I? Well, who are you? You're a man made in the image of God. God's the one that gave you. I didn't give it to you. You didn't earn it. You have to receive it. I tell people all the time, don't try to get what you think you deserve. You're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I want what's being offered. What God has offered me is free, and all I have to do is lay hold on it and take it and receive it. Now, for most human beings, they think that's arrogant. For some of us, like myself, I think you're very humble if you'll receive what God has for you and be appreciative of it. Your brain might might not let you get that at first. It may never get it. I don't know, but my spirit, I got things down here my brain doesn't know anything about. Especially when I'm ministering to people. I didn't know that except by the Holy Ghost. I said something and somebody said, well, that was me. I think this lady over here told me, the blonde-headed lady back there, that she was in a car accident and broke all the ribs on one side of your body and she said last time I was here, I don't know when that was, but I gave a word of knowledge. Somebody's here has got some broken ribs and I think you told me, I said, I think it's on the right side. And it was her. And it was three days after her accident. She got up and got healed. Did you get healed when I ministered? How did I know that? How did I know somebody had broken ribs? I didn't know that in my head. If you stick with your head, you'd be so limited. <laughs> now your head is good for driving a car and a red light stop, speed limit, do that. Hot stove, don't touch, you know. <laughs> we're not talking about that. We're talking about authority. Now let's go to Romans chapter eight. Uh, do, you, do the people in the sound booth have ability to put up a scripture from the Amplified Bible or am I just dreaming? I didn't ask you about it. I'm asking you now, do you? 
Yes, they do. Okay, I'd like you to put up, uh, let me find my reference here. Romans 8, 16 and 17 in the Amplified Bible. I'm going to turn around and read it. I didn't bring my Amplified with me. And you can see it with me in a minute. Romans chapter 8, 16 and 17. When they get that up there, I'm not pushing them. I'll read it while they're getting that ready from the King Jimmy. The spirit itself, or should say himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that's not true of just that. That's true of everything should bear witness with our spirit. <laughs> that, we, that what's being said is accurate. And if children then were heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And the word suffer has nothing to do with sickness and disease. I've already looked at it in the Greek New Testament. It has to do with the suffering you're going to take for telling people that you have that kind of authority. Because right, right. carnal people don't like that. And unrenewed Christians don't like it. But it's the truth. It's, there's something I'm going for if we are still working on that. But just from the King Jimmy, if we're children of God, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Equal heirs with Christ. If they get that up, you can let me know. I'm going to go move ahead a little bit. But this is important that you get this. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I didn't earn it. I'm not good enough, but I am smart enough to receive it. How many know what I mean? <laughs> we have such a good father. Okay. Verse uh, 17. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Listen to this. Sharing his inheritance with him. sharing his inheritance with him. He's sharing his inheritance with me. You need to say that he's sharing his inheritance with me. So he's giving you the same inheritance he has. You know, first John three, you don't need to get that up. But first John three says, now are we the sons of God? Not tomorrow when we get to heaven right now. <laughs> yeah. If you wait to get to go into heaven to try to use your authority, you're too late. This is where you need to exercise authority in this planet because this is where the devil is the God of this world. He's not our God. He's under our feet too. In fact, the Bible even kind of makes fun of him back in the old. Is this the being that caused nations to tremble? Oh my gosh, I was afraid of that. What was I thinking? Well, you weren't. That was your problem. You weren't thinking according to the word. Now, I'm not saying you act arrogant about it, but you have to be humble to receive this. And a lot of your friends may not like it. They don't like that people have authority and stuff. That's too bad. You come to me too late. I already figured this out. So we're sharing his inheritance. Think about Jesus would trust us as his people. Think about that just a minute. To share all that he's received in his inheritance with us. What a savior. I didn't even ask him to come, but he came anyway. I didn't even know that he did it until somebody told me. And when they first told me, I didn't believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean right away. But eventually I got it. Go to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. You getting anything with me? Our authority is secure and we need to catch up with what the scriptures reveal perfectly to us. Of what, where we're seated with him. But let's look at this first in 1 Peter 3. And we're going to read verse 22 in the last three words of verse 21 because it says, uh, 
Uh, verse 21 says, 1 Peter 3, 21, 22, like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the next verse is referring to Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Who is gone into heaven? Who did Jesus? And is on the right hand of the Father, excuse me, the right hand of God, the Father, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. Notice he put no limitation. He just said just the cherubims are going to be, or just the seraphim. He said angels, period. All the angels, good and evil. All the powers, good or evil. What was the other thing? Let me see here. The authorities and powers, angels, authorities and powers, whatever kind of power they are, are subject to him. So angels, authorities and powers are subject to us. I think you're starting to get a little bit of a glimpse more. I hope I'm helping you. Listen, I'm not yelling at you. I'm trying to teach you. You are important to God. You're important to the future of the earth. You're important to God. You're in the body and everything's under our feet. I don't care if you're the mole on the little toe on the left foot and you don't think you're that important. You're wrong. You are important. Your authority matters for your own life your marriage, your children, your grandchildren, and other people, or you're never going to be able to help them much. You've got to get this in you. And I remember dad said that to me in the meeting in Clarksville, Tennessee by Fort Campbell and Pastor Luffman, I think's the pastor there. I know him. I, I don't know him real well, but he's a very sweet man. And he called me up. He called me up in that meeting and that was the last time I saw him on the planet. And he said, Michael, get up here. And I went up and he said, you're missing one thing. Then he hit me in the head and said, now you're not missing it anymore. <laughs> and my wife was with me. She was seated and he had called for me to come. She said, I thought he felt like he was telling us he was going to leave. And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe he was subconsciously. I don't think he knew he was going to go home in two months, but but see, I, I'm like him. I felt like when he said that to me, Dr. Dufresne, he's my spiritual father. I've only had one in my life. Yes. And I told God when he went home, I'm willing to submit to somebody if you tell me you want me to. No, I want you to be a daddy like you already are. And I'm going to bring other sons under you. And some of them will flake out on you and leave you and be mean about it. Don't let that bother you. Just stay, keep doing what I'm telling you. I don't know what more to say to you than that. You know, I've offered to get under somebody. Not that I don't need anybody. I, I have some real sons that are mature like Pastor Keith, Pastor Dennis, and of course, Pastor Nancy's. I'm close to her. I think we are. Are you listening? <laughs> I, I, I'm talking to you. Yes. But you know, God said, no, this is your time to be a dad. So I want you to think different about it. He's put all in you. He could, but at the moment, I mean, it's so precious to me that I made a decision to go to that meeting. As I never dreamed he was going to leave like, like he did. I'm going to get it together. But he just, he just was gone. Precious Morgan again was sweet to me that day. She called me and she told me that. And I said back to her because I was really reeling under that. I was in a hotel room when I got the call at Pastor Hannibal's church. I was going to start a meeting that Friday, but instead I went home. And she said, and she, and I, and she was on the phone, Morgan, and she said, 
I said, you didn't say what you just said, did you? That's how it affected my mind. I had nowhere to stick that in my consciousness. But bless her heart, I got quiet a minute. And I think she knew I was trying to process that. She stayed on the line. Morgan Dufresne right here, Pastor Morgan. She said, yes, Dr. Jacobs. He, him and Mitch went to heaven. I appreciated that, that she would stay with me for that moment. You know, when I started crying real bad and I went into, I'm talking about authority. I went in the bathroom, looked at myself in the mirror. Now, what are you going to do about this, Michael? You're going to behave and you're going to move on. You're going to go forward. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> and he didn't say you have to stop crying right now. But, and I cried most of that day. But I said, I'm going to be all right. I told my, pointed at myself in the mirror. You're going to be all right, Michael. Because I just believe God had more for me to do in the earth. And I felt like by being in that meeting in Clarksville two months previous, and he gave me that word. Now you're not missing anything of the puzzle. Right. That what he said this about Brother Hagen. He said he felt like Brother Hagen said to him, "You got all that you need from him." Yeah. And I, I felt like I got all that I needed from Doctor Dufresne. It was kind of a complete thing. I didn't know it would be that way, but it was that way. But boy, what a feeling! You know when he said that to me. Making sense? Yes. Okay. Okay, let me see where I'm at. First John, let's go to First John. Keep going towards the Revelation. First John 4, is it 417? We're talking about our authority. And I remembered in that same meeting when he said, you got all that you need. He said, you're to teach about the authority of the people who they are in Christ and uh, things of this nature. So I'm teaching that part of it right now to you. But I'm talking about angels and I'm really talking about devils too. You still have authority over all the powers. Yes. That doesn't mean that they won't will come and try to entice you or mess with you or challenge you. That's when you have to stand your faith, <coughs> stand your ground. How many know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, I was in the Navy and uh, when I was a younger man and in boot camp, I had this bully. He was in our barracks. He's a big old boy. I mean, I'm a lot heavier than I was then. I only weighed about 150 or 60 pounds back then. He probably weighed 220 or 30. But he kept picking on one of the guys in the barracks that had a water head. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody like their head was about one and a half times the size of my head or your head. <clears throat> and, you know, I don't know. Sometimes things just grate on me to where I just got to act on it. How many have heard this story already? Anybody? Oh, this will be great. They've heard it. So I'm in the barracks. The barracks not full. There's probably 20 of us in there at that moment. And he said something smart, like derogatory to this young man with the waterhead. And I kind of befriended this kid. He was very smart. It wasn't anything mentally wrong with him, but that boy just, that bully just taunted him. And he had his bully crowd. You know, the guys that run with the bully. <laughs> and I'm way down on this end of the barracks and he's way up there. I said, Hey, big mouth. He whipped around, looked at me. If looks could have killed, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm talking to you, big mouth. Either you stop picking on the boy or it's me and you, we're going to get it on right now. I've had it with you. And you may hurt me, but I'm going to put it on you before you take me out. I'm going to bite you, kick you, strangle you. <laughs> no restraint on me. Now, I'm not that big, but I'm mean if you get me mad, and I'm mad right now. And if you want to bring it, just bring it right now. 
And he stood up to me and I said, I'm waiting for your answer, big mouth. You think I'm playing with you, you got it wrong. And if you get on the parade, we're out marching and you say something smart about him, I will break rank and jump you and strangle you right in front of all the other guys. <laughs> I'll bite you, I'll kick you, whatever it takes. <laughs> I'm gonna hurt you. And he just knew I wasn't playing with it. So all of his cronies got around him and I'm just by myself down here. But at that moment, I didn't care if there was 30 other people. I said, I'm waiting for your answer, big mouth. Either, either you're going to shut up, you're going to give me your word, you're going to shut up about this boy. But if you say anything more to him while I'm around you, I will get you. I will hurt you. I've had it. I've had it up to here. And all of a sudden, there's four or five guys jumped off their beds and got behind me. I said, praise God. It's on that. <laughs> praise God. We're about to settle the bully issue. And he finally said, because I said, I'm not going to let up on you unless you tell me, you give me your word in front of these other men that you're going to keep your mouth shut when it comes to him. You want to talk to me about it? That's fine. We'll go out behind the barracks here and have it out. But I am tired of hearing you taunt this boy. There's something wrong with you. You're just a big bully in a big mouth. I whittled him down and he really knew I was serious. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you my word. I said, okay, I'm taking it but you better keep it because if you don't, the same deal is coming back, biting, kicking, scratching, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why I told that. That's how you have to handle the devil. <laughs> you know, the devil just keep taunting you and yeah. doing stuff, but you got to stand up to him. You call him big mouth if you want. Yeah. Hey, big mouth, shut up. Yeah. Get out here. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm trying to finish this sermon. You're making me laugh a lot. <laughs> 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The real word there is crisis. In the day of crisis, we ought to have boldness. It says, because as he is, talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. See, we're so identified with him and his authority as he is, so are we in this world. This world where we have, to, this world I'm living in right now down here where the devil lives. Now, you know, you, just have, you have to not, you have to listen. You're going to have to resist him, rebuke him, assault him with your words. You can't do this to me. I refuse. I, you can't do this to my home. I refuse it. I command you to get out. Even my own kids who love God with all their heart. My daughter's 42 and my son's 34. I cast the devil out of both of them at one point in, the, in my home. Why? Because I discerned something was attacking them. Well, I wouldn't do that with my kids. And you're not a very good parent. I didn't punish them for it. I punished the devil for getting in my daughter and then my son said, come out of them. And they got delivered. No, I'm not Superman. Here we come to save the day. No, I'm a good dad. I tried to take care of my kids. And if I didn't like somebody they were thinking they liked, I said, my, my daughter was the first one because she was older. I said, I don't like that boy. I don't trust that boy. If you date him, God will show me. Drop it. Don't go around him. Do you really say that? Yeah, I did. And my daughter was always compliant. My son pushed the envelope, <laughs> but she dropped him. 
And we were just at a CVS a couple of years ago, my wife and I, this was many years ago, she was in high school. My daughter's 40 something now. And he in there, he had a big old box of liquor. And I was standing in line to check out. He was up in front of me and he came back to me. He said, we got relatives coming for the holidays. I said, I don't care. <laughs> like that's why they got the liquor. See, he wasn't right back then. He's still not right. And then my son, we had this little foo-foo girl <laughs> came to my church and she told about six boys. She loved them. So she showed up at my house on Christmas Eve or something like that with snow. It's like a, a Hallmark card. <laughs> she rang the doorbell. I went to the door. I opened the door. I said, did you get invited to my house by somebody here? Did my son invite you to come? No. Then turn around and get in your car. You're not welcome in my home. Goodbye. Shut the door. Then I went upstairs and told my son, don't have anything to do with little foo-foo. She's going to get you in trouble. You know what a foo-foo is? You can call it whatever you want to call it. So my wife, she knew about all this. She got all the boys and their parents and me together in one room and told them what she knew about this girl. And he, she told all these boys in my church, she loved them and she didn't love any of them. She just played them all for suckers. The girl had something wrong with her. So I just make the people get away from my kids. If, <laughs> hallelujah. I don't know if you're with me tonight or not. I slipped over in daddy mode. Listen, you're, as Jesus says, so are you. Did you feel bad about telling that girl to get back in her car and leave? Not at all. Why would I feel bad? I didn't invite her. I heard Fred Price say, if I didn't invite you, don't show up at my home. I'm not going to let you in. I know most people don't like that kind of talk. It's offensive, but it's just right if you want your children to fulfill the will of God. Young girls and young boys need to be taught that. To, to not get so serious and emotional with somebody and emotionally involved, then you end up in bed, then you got to deal with all that trash when you get married eventually, probably not to the same girl or boy you were with. Then you got images in your head that maybe go, go away for a season. All of a sudden you're a mother now and all of a sudden you look at your husband, you got thoughts about this other guy or thoughts about another girl. If you're a girl, you know, a husband, and that's a bad thing. That'll torment you. I can't tell you how many people, including some preachers that I cast the devil out, that wanted to talk to me privately. I said, that's fine. Tell me whatever you want to tell me. I have the liberty to ask questions, right? Yep. So I prayed for them. That broke that thing off of them. It's called a soul tie. Just talking to you. I'm not going to get you delivered tonight, but I guess I might tomorrow night. I don't know. Stick around. <laughs> I'd get quiet in here all of a sudden. <laughs> Let's go back to Ephesians here. I'm just about done. Ephesians chapter two. And if you could, uh, whoever you are back there, I think I know you, but could you pull me up Ephesians 1:22 in the Amplified, sir? And I'm going to start with Ephesians two, though, with the crowd here. Ephesians two, verse five and six, and then he'll pull that other scripture up in just a minute says, even when we were dead in sins, not dead, but dead in sins, we weren't spiritually alive to God because we were sinners. Hath quickened us, which really means quickened means 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. It's not of works, you know. Hath raised us up together. Notice that I'm talking about your authority. He's raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I want to go to chapter one. We're going to see where this place is that he's raised us up to sit together with him in the heavenly places. I had to, I didn't bring that, but Pastor Nancy gave me a new book by Chip Bolio, Pastor Bolio. And in the passage there, it talks about uh, in this, I think it's Ephesians 2, 6, he made us sit together in that heavenly realm, that heavenly sphere. We're seated with him. Spiritually, I know I'm on the planet, but spiritually that's where we're seated in authority. And it tells us what it's about in verse uh, 20 here, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places or in the heavenly realm, far above all principalities, all powers, all mights, all dominions, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put, you, if you get it, you can shut it up there when you get it and t- somebody will tell me and I'll read it from the Amplified in a minute. He put all things under his feet and the feet's in the body, that's me and you. You need to identify with that. And gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, that's me and you, we're the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So, you know, if you look at me, you think, well, I believe you might have authority. No, we have authority. If you're in the body of Christ, when the realm that I'm teaching you about tonight, we all have equal authority, which is the same authority Jesus has. Let's read it. He put all things under his feet, hath appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, talking about Jesus, but notice this, a headship exercised throughout the church. He's the head, but we get the same authority as him because whatever he has is exercised through the church. I wish you could see that. Get a hold of that. Meditate on it until it becomes a part of you. That's so important. He is sharing that level of authority with us. And you hear most people talk and like books, you know, I told you I read a hundred books on angels. Hey, I wouldn't lie about that. And I shredded 97 of them because they didn't have anything I could use. I listened to a, a guy, if I mentioned his name, everybody in this room would know who he is if you watch Christian TV. I don't even watch that much anymore. I listen to Pastor Nancy, she's on stuff, but you know, just talking. Not criticizing everybody, I'm not the critic. But at the same time, this guy was preaching about angels. I said, well, okay, I'm gonna see what this guy knows. I wasn't, maybe I shouldn't have been, had that attitude, but I'm just going to see if he knows anything. Big old church, massive church, thousands of members. He started talking. He was doing okay for a while. And he closed the message, closed his Bible and said, you know, we're, we're going to dismiss. And he never told me anything that would indicate I had any authority to do anything with the angels. So he gets an F for that. <laughs> if you're going to tell me about something, I want you to tell me about it. Why'd you bring it up if you didn't have an answer? It's just a mental preacher, a mental sermon. It tells you what you have, but you don't know how to activate it. So you still got nothing. So one day somebody gave me a, a Nordstrom's card. I like Nordstrom's, one of my favorite stores. And I, but at that time you had to call to activate it and I forgot it. And I got stuff laid out. 
some ties and you know like you took me one time and you you they put me in front of the tie rack and says pick out whatever you want that's dangerous with me <laughs> but anyway i had shirts and ties laying there and i give the card to the lady she says well dr jacobs this card hadn't been activated do you have a cell phone i said it's out in my car she said <clears throat> here go out there and call them and activate and come back in and pay for that and that's what i did I had it, but I didn't know how to access it. And when I called, they said, your card's accessed immediately. You can go use it. I walked right back in and laid it down. Because I not only had it, but I knew how to exercise to get into it. That's what I'm talking to you about. If I teach you something, I want to teach you how to get a hold of it. And I'll be honest with you. This is one thing I didn't realize when I was a younger preacher. My meditation time has increased about 100% almost where I just sit and think about scriptures. <clears throat> I read my Bible too, but I think I get and sit and sit down. And like dad, sometimes I'll close my eyes. Sometimes I'll have a vision, not all the time, or some knowing down in here on the inside of me. And God starts speaking to me about this revelation that I'm getting, like on this on authority. And I go back and study that privately, whether I'm going to teach it or not, because I need to walk in it. Remember we talked about Hebrews 2, 1, that don't let these things slip. At least at any time you let the revelation of the angel slip, you can let the revelation of faith slip too. And you're still saying the same things, but because you didn't spend any time in meditation, there's no umph in it. There's no bite on it. There's no authority in it. You're just talking because you know you need to talk right. But you kind of glibly, well, I'm in Christ. Thanks be unto God. By his stripes I'm healed. That ain't going to cut it. And if you have something serious that's going to kill you, it's definitely not going to cut it. Now, I'm just trying to help. To, I'm trying to show you there's a, the bridge is out. If you keep going that way, you're going to get to a place where there's no help for you. There could be, but you've ruined your opportunity because you didn't pay attention. I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to help all of us to think right. So the things you need to know, you need to know that like you know you're a man or a woman. And people are confused in our day. I was in a, a thing the other day, a public restroom said, by, it said unisex. I thought, what does that mean? I'm lobbing an open door and a lady sitting on the pot or what? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Made me feel weird. <laughs> See, people are confused. I, if you, you know, if you don't know what you are, take your clothes, stand in front of a mirror. You'll figure it out. Are you for real? Yeah, I am. Okay, I got one more thing to share with you here. You can take one more scripture. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now it's going to be okay. I can't believe he said that. Oh, I can't believe you, you listened to me. <laughs> no, I'm just telling like you know I'm telling you the truth. We live in a very weird society today. It was never like that when I was in grade school or high school. You know, the boys were the boys, the girls were the girls. And now people don't know what they are or they want to be both. There's something wrong with our brains when we think like something wrong. The devil has a hold of people. It's going to have to get them delivered. Have you ever got somebody delivered? Yeah, I've got a lot of people delivered. From all kinds of stuff, not just sexual, just other stuff, worry and other things too. Amen. But you got to make a commitment. You're going to get in the Word and you're going to have to meditate, spend some extra time meditating. Yeah. Well, when I, how could I have extra time? I don't know. Cut the TV off. 
you know, cut things out of your life and spend more time with him and more serious time with him. Yeah. And determine you're going to move on no matter what happens. Listen to me to people around you. I had a good wife. She loved me. She loved the kids. She's great grandmother, but I buried her and I wasn't able to turn it. Uh, so what do you say? I said, well, I buried her and I loved her and I'm going to move on. And the, when I was with her, when she left the planet and immediately the devil came to me and he said, I win. And I spoke back to him in that hospital. You didn't win anything. You got kicked out of heaven and she's going and she's going to stay forever. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You got to talk to the devil. Of course, I've just watched my wife leave and he attacked me immediately trying to act like he's all that in a bag of chips. You're nothing. And I told him, so you didn't win anything. I win. You lose. Goodbye. Get out of here. Yeah. And then I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, when you talk me about teaching on the anointing, which he did 25 years ago, and I've got a lot of notes on that. I don't seem to have taught on that recently because God's had me on this, the other world talking about that unseen world. We don't deal with that. That world is trying to impose itself either for good or evil. Like that angel talking to me, there was a frustration. All I can tell you is he was frustrated with humanity when he was talking to me. Michael, we're so excited. The whole room full of angels. We're so excited. He went like this with his arm. All those behind me, behind him. We're excited you're teaching about us. We've desired to be involved in the body of Christ and they won't let us. This is why I'm teaching you about authority. You have authority over them. They've been created to assist you in this life. Hebrews 2 says, if you neglect this, how would you, how are you going to neglect this? Uh, how are you going to survive if you neglect the salvation that they provide? Yeah. Are you listening? How did you raise your kids? I spoke the word over them. When they were younger, I'm bigger than them. I tell them what to do. They got bigger enough to drive. I had to trust God to trust him and the angels to take care of them. Are you listening? Listen, you're in authority. And if you have children real young, you have total authority in that realm. You get older. You, and I told my children when they were both 13. I sat my daughter down on the couch and said, listen, honey, I believe for everything that I can for you now, up till now. And I can still believe for you in agreement the rest of my life. If I stay right with God, I could help you. But I'm not going to carry you the rest of your life entirely. God's not going to let me do that. You're going to have to wear out some Bibles like daddy has. Had the same talk with my son. You need to have some talks to your children. If they don't get it, you need to help them get it. I wasn't mad at him. I just said, I love you, but you're going to have to walk in your own faith for, you know, you're 13 by the time you're 20, 21 or 18 even. You're going to have to begin to operate a little more knowledgeable yourself, not just trust me to get you out of everything. Hallelujah. It's talking to you. I don't know what I've taught you tonight right now. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians 6. I did want to mention this before we left because this became a revelation. I was in Evansville, Indiana when I had this thought. I was teaching on angels at a church there in Evansville, Indiana. And I was in a room, a hotel room, sitting on a couch. 
And I was sitting there talking to the father about this, what we're talking about, Jude, authority of our authority over angels. And I went to this passage, 1 Corinthians 6, 3, and it says, Know you not that we shall judge angels, how much more things that pertain to this life. In other words, we're talking about things that pertain to the spiritual life around this life when it comes to angels. And the Lord, I said, I feel like there's something in there I should know from you, Father. What is it? And he asked me a question. First, he said, uh, he said, Michael, answer me this question. I know that you read this and it looks like it's talking about a future event. And I believe in the context it is. But listen to what I'm saying to you. The Lord said to me, when you when you get to heaven, will you have any more authority spiritually than you have right now, Michael? Nope. Then he says, you could judge them right now. In fact, you're doing it every day. And then he said this to me. I I wrote it in here in my notes. A judge, he or she has authority over you. When you stand before them, they are elevated even in the natural because they represent authority to release you or confine you. You know, I had to go to court a lot of times as a young person. I got in a lot of trouble. I sold my mother's car my mother's car, and she called the police on me. And they came down my street where I lived. I was going to park it and get back into bed if I could do it, but they got me. And my mom opened the door, and, I, and the policeman's got me out of her car in the street. I think half the neighbors woke up. They were, you know, with their... <laughs> and he said, are you Mrs. Jacobs? Yeah, cuff him and take him to jail. I'll get him tomorrow. And she was a good mommy. So when I went to the judge for that, he said, I see here that your mother turned you in. And she told them to take you to jail. That's correct, sir. I think I'm going to leave you in her care. She seems like a good mommy. (laughs) But see, you're doing the same thing that a judge does every day. Listen to me carefully here. You may not think you're judging, but you judge everything every day if you're real, if you're honest. You may be not telling me, but I know you do. And and we do. But what I'm saying is the judge has authority. That's you and I in this context with the angels over them to restrict them, confine them, or release them. You're making a decision every day you live how you're going to talk to them. Or you don't talk to them. So if you don't talk to them, they're not doing anything for you. If you talk wrong, they're not doing anything for you. If you talk negative, they're not doing anything for you. The demons will do stuff for you because they're the crowd that's negative. Whatever comes to steal, kill, or destroy you. Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly. The Greek says till it overflows. That's pretty lot. That's a lot till it's overflowing. You're doing that every day you live. You're judging whether you're going to re- restrict the angels or release them. Yeah. Every day I get up and say, Father, I thank you today for my secret service, the angels that watch over my, Michael. I pray that over my children, my grandchildren, my sons and daughters, both biological and spiritual, and their, their lives. And I pray the angels be released today to all of us to keep us safe from all injury, harm, or destruction. I've been saying that for 25 years. You need to train yourself to talk like that. <coughs> and that activates them. 
maybe nothing's coming right this second, but you know, as the day goes on, there's going to be things that come. That's why I encourage you to read Psalm 91, but not just read it, but start putting it in a prayer format with your mind, your heart. I will say of the Lord, you know, it says he that dwell, I think I'm going to do some teaching, not tonight. Don't get worried <laughs> on Psalm 91. I'm going to put it in a series. I may put it in a book. One of the first things it says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. He's not talking about going to church. That's included. Of course, it ought to be no brainer, but it's not the most ultimate thing you can do. You're going to, have to stay close to Jesus. You're dwelling in the secret place. That's a place, I would say it this way, you have intimacy with Jesus every day. You slow your life down, whatever it takes, get away from other humans, turn the radio off, turn the TV off, and just get with him and talk to him about your life. And listen, if you have questions, he can talk. If you give him time, he can relate, speak back into those things. And then it says, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and in him will I trust. And you go up another 10 verses, for he gives his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. At least you strike your foot against the stone. You'll, you'll step upon the serpents and scorpions. And then with long life, will I satisfy you? And the Hebrew says there, I'll give you a healthy long life. Psalm 91 ought to become a, day, a part of your daily diet. I know it's Old Testament, but you could upgrade it. You're on the other side of the cross. What a good, what a good passage though. You with me? You've been very patient with me tonight. You have authority. I do not have more authority to you in this realm I've taught you. I do have other authority that maybe is beyond that as a prophet, but I'm not talking about being a fivefold. I'm talking about being a believer. You're in, I'm in the body of Christ too. I'm just trying to fulfill what God told me to do. And sometimes it's uncomfortable on my flesh. I was a pastor for many decades and then God was telling me, you need to move to what I told you to do. In fact, he, he said to me, I don't know how many years ago that was, maybe five, said, I want you to put your son in as the pastor of the church. And I said, well, I was trying to wait till he got a little older. I know that, Michael, but I'm telling you, you're going to be dead in two years if you don't do what I'm telling you right now. And I, you know you're called to be a prophet. It's a higher calling than that of the pastor. It's not that you're superior to pastors. Listen to what I'm saying. You're different than a pastor. And you, you have held on so long to that. I'm, I'm demanding you to give that to your, and I'll catch your son up quick. So five years ago, I announced the church, this is your pastor. I'm not the pastor. If you come to me with a pastoral question, I'm going to point to him. I'm not going to try to pastor you and still travel. I did that for 10 years. And God said, two more years and you're done. You're, you're getting off the planet because you're so wore out. Am I helping you? You know, I know we think we're just Superman. We can just do everything, but you're still in a physical body. Yeah. And I learned to not take people home with me in my head. Somewhere down the past, I don't know when that occurred, but it did. And I made a decision. Whoever stays with me, that's wonderful. If they decide they don't want me, that's fine too. I'm just going to keep on with my good self and fulfill the will of God. Because right. when we get to heaven, they're not going to say, what about this and that? He's going to say, what about you, Michael? What'd you do? Did you do what I tell you to do? That's right. <laughs> making sense? Yes. yes absolutely. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, stand up with me a minute. 
Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.